This is episode 234, where I'm sharing five of my biggest injury mistakes from my own running career so you can avoid them, train smarter than I did, and hopefully become a much more successful runner than I ever was. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is going to help you sidestep your next big running injury. After running for more than 23 years, I can confidently say that I've made almost every training mistake that you could imagine. And sometimes, hindsight and learning things the hard way is the only way to truly understand why these are mistakes. But hopefully, you can learn from my mistakes, apply these lessons to your training, and end up healthier than I ever was. If you're new to the Strength Running Podcast, you can expect even more training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space. My goal is to elevate your thinking about the sport, help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on how to structure your weekly mileage, my favorite form drills, core and strength routines, and more. Go to youtube.com strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog with topics as varied as the top mistakes runners make in the weight room, why you've hit a performance plateau, and more. You'll also find our free email courses on strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and more. Plus, the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. This episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker, one of the most reputable blood testing companies in the world. They test dozens of biomarkers so you know if there are any red flags with your physiology that might be hampering your running. Then they give you science-backed recommendations to improve anything that might be outside of your personal optimal range. I just got a blood draw just last week, and I cannot wait to get my results back. I'm looking forward to see how I'm responding to training and if there's any red flags that I can address. Now you can get 25% off any of their blood tests with code STRENGTHRUNNING. Just go to insidetracker.com STRENGTHRUNNING. Now the code is STRENGTHRUNNING, no space, and you can see all the details at insidetracker.com STRENGTHRUNNING. We're also supported by Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes AG1, a category-leading greens mix that has 75 vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, antioxidants, and adaptogens to help mitigate stress. To make taking control of your health even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Jason, and you can choose from a single purchase or a monthly subscription. I try to have one serving every day of AG1 to help me cover my bases and for a nice little boost of midday energy. You can see all the details at athleticgreens.com Jason. I also want to highlight a recent review of the podcast for its simplicity and because I want to be clear about the goal of the Strength Running Podcast. 
Rainfire27 recently left a five-star review on Apple Music and said, This show presents information for all who want to refine the art of running. You don't need to be high level, just wanting to improve. I love it. This review is so simple, but it really gets to the heart of the podcast. This show is not for advanced runners or elite runners or beginner runners. This show is for all runners, no matter your ability, your gender, your experience level, your age, and even if you wear shorts over tights, I'll make an exception for that. (laughs) Truly, my goal with the Strength Running Podcast is to help any runner get to the next level, whatever that might mean for you. So if you want to improve, you're in the right place. And Rainfire27, thank you for seeing the Strength Running Podcast as I see it. Your review means a lot to me. Okay, let's move on to our topic for today. I want to talk more about training errors that cause injuries. These are all mistakes that I've made in my running career since 1998. And after running cross country and track in high school, in college, and then post-collegiately, I've definitely made just about every mistake possible. And while I think that's led me to better understand the sport, there's no reason why you have to learn the hard way too. So let's start with injury mistake number one. The number one injury mistake that I see in my own running career that I hope you don't make is no consistency in terms of your mileage. Now, these wild swings in your mileage level really don't allow for much adaptation. And one of my favorite training books ever by Brad Hudson called Run Faster If you ever want a good geeky training book for runners, I highly recommend his book, Run Faster. Now, in that book, he notes that it's not necessarily the high mileage that's risky in terms of injuries. It's the increasing mileage to get there that's the bigger risk. So the solution now is instead of having these wild swings where you might peak at 50 miles for a marathon, but then spend a couple months running only 20 miles a week. Those sorts of swings really put undue stress on your body. And the solution is to make your running a lifestyle. Make it something that you do regularly, week after week, month after month. Now, of course, that doesn't mean don't take any recovery. You still have to follow your hard workouts with easy runs. You still need to take some time off after goal races. You should still taper for those goal races and include recovery weeks in your training as you're going through your peak training weeks. But we do have to make running a more consistent feature of our lifestyle. And I'll never forget when I was in college, my cross country coach actually would not allow you to run cross country if you did not also run indoor and outdoor track. Now, there were a couple small exceptions to that for other athletes, but by and large, if you didn't also run track, you weren't allowed to run cross country. That's because it's not really a sport. It's not just a hobby that lasts for a few months. It is a lifestyle. And that is what my prior cross country coach really had us learn from the very beginning that if we wanted to become good runners, if we wanted to improve, if we wanted to take big leaps in our performances, then we really needed to do it more consistently. If your running over the course of a year includes one, two, three months off in a row, then that's a level of consistency that is going to make improvement much more difficult. It's going to increase your injury risk and it's 
during those periods of mileage increases when you are much more at risk. So we can reduce that, we can mitigate that by being more consistent with our overall mileage throughout the year. All right, injury mistake number two, not doing any faster running for months. Now, this is something that I unfortunately did a couple summers in college. And the problem here is that when you start back with hard workouts, after a period of time when you haven't done really any faster running, it's going to be really stressful for your body. And to not allow that stress to result in an injury, we have to make sure that you are still running fast almost every week of the year. Because if you get too far away from running hard workouts, from running fast, not necessarily only running hard workouts, you could certainly run fast things that are not difficult. And we'll talk about that soon. But if you can do this regularly, almost every week of the year, then you are going to allow your body to adapt to the stress of running fast. Now, I talked before about how I made this mistake in the summer months when I was in college. Now, the summer college schedule really means that you're doing a lot of base training. You're getting ready for the cross-country season. And when I was early in my college career, I made the mistake of avoiding any kinds of faster running during the months of June, July, and August. That means no strides, no easier fartlek workouts, no hill workouts, and because I was only doing easy mileage, that led me, when I first started the cross-country season, getting back to campus, starting that first workout with the team, we had our fitness test, and in a couple weeks, our first race, I was so sore. And those early cross-country weeks were so difficult for me because I didn't do enough faster running in those summer months. So this part of your fitness, the ability to run fast and not have it cause all this undue soreness, this aspect of your fitness is one of the first aspects of your fitness to be lost when you undergo a period of detraining. Now, this is the opposite of your endurance or your aerobic fitness. That stays with you the longest, but your speed is one of the first things to go. And so we don't want to allow it to get too detrained because the process of building back that ability does take a long time. So I'll certainly encourage you to run strides or hill sprints most weeks of the year. You can also do relatively easy fartlek workouts where you might only be doing 30 second or 45 seconds or a minute at a harder effort. And you don't really even need to be running too fast. You could be running your tempo pace. You could be running your half marathon pace. These are all excellent ways to maintain your ability to run fast, even when you really shouldn't be prioritizing hard workouts. We can differentiate between fast and hard. And when we are base training, we still wanna do some faster running, but we really wanna stay away from the hard running. So the next time you are experiencing a base training phase of training, or you might be in the off season, keep in mind that that doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to do some easy running. You're going to do some fast running too. And that's going to make the more challenging training that's coming up all the more easy to transition to. Injury mistake number three, not running easy days at a truly easy effort. Now, notice I said effort. That's because all your easy runs 
aren't really done at a formal pace. Your easy pace is really not a pace, but it's an effort. And so this is a more subjective way of dealing with your easy runs. And I like to tell runners to focus on the three C's. If you are making sure your easy runs are controlled, conversational, and comfortable, then you can rest assured that your easy runs are likely at, a, at an easy effort. And so what I mean by that is, number one, let's make sure your easy runs feel controlled. At no point should you be out of control. You shouldn't be reaching. You shouldn't be pushing. Sometimes in a workout or definitely in a race, you do feel a little out of control. And that is not what we should be looking for in our easy runs. So always make sure that you feel in control. Next, the run should just feel comfortable. If you are out there running and you feel very comfortable, it doesn't feel like you're stressing yourself out with the pace, you're not pushing too hard, and your respiration is under control, then again, you can rest assured that that's probably an easy effort for you. And finally, let's make sure that our easy runs are conversational. I love telling my athletes, just pretend that we're running together and you're telling me a funny story. I want to make sure that whatever story you're telling me, you can talk in mostly complete sentences. And if we're running together and we're having a good laugh and we're mostly having a, a conversation while we're on a run, that's likely at an easy effort for you. And at no point during a run should you feel super out of breath if the goal is an easy effort. You should feel in control. You should feel comfortable. And, you know, sometimes I think that our GPS watches remove this subjective human side of running and marry us to a specific pace. And I'm guilty of this, too. Sometimes I look down at my watch and I think to myself, oh, I shouldn't be running this pace. This is way too slow. I actually thought this earlier today when I was on my run. But you know what? I actually didn't have any coffee before my run today. That is rare. And so all these things that affect your easy pace are going to be substantial. You know, everything from your uh, what you've done in the last couple days. You know, did you just run a workout yesterday or a long run? Your nutrition, your hydration, how well you slept the night before, your overall recovery, any stress that you might be experiencing in relationships or at work, and even the weather. We simply can't stay committed to a formal, easy pace with all of these variables conspiring against you to potentially slow you down. So let's embrace the subjective nature of easy runs. Let's let the pace be what it is, and you will thrive. You will feel better on your long runs. You will definitely feel better and likely perform a lot better for your workouts. And at the end of the season, when you start racing, you're likely to be a much faster runner. Injury mistake number four, running through niggles. I used to do this all the time, and I always made things worse. Now, I have a couple simple rules for knowing when you can run through some discomfort and when it's not a good idea. So rule number one is if your pain is sharp, if it's stabbing, if it's severe, if it sort of makes you go, ouch, then that's probably a pain you shouldn't run through. Now, if the pain is something that gets worse as you run, that's a good indication that running is making that pain worse. So let's not make things worse by running through pain that's getting worse as we're running. And that's 
sharp, severe, or stabbing. And finally, if whatever discomfort you might be experiencing causes you to change your running form, so you're compensating for the discomfort, this is essentially a self-imposed limp. And this is not a good idea because what might happen is, hey, if your knee hurts, but if you run in a certain way with, you know, maybe a slightly more exaggerated stride or you land a little differently on your foot, it might actually make your knee feel a little better and you can get through the run. But your body is not designed for those accommodations. Your body is not designed to change form like that. And you actually increase your risk of coming down with some other running injury. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a runner who this exact scenario played out for them. They had this minor pain and it felt a little better if they changed their form a little bit when they went out running, but then it led to another injury. So if that is you, then let's just not go running because running is clearly making whatever's bothering you worse. Now, if the opposite is true, if the pain is more of a dull, achy soreness, rather than sharp, severe, or stabbing, then that's an encouraging sign. You can probably run through that type of pain. Also, if the pain gets better as you run, like as you're warming up, as you're going through your run, if it starts to feel better, or at the very minimum, if it doesn't get any worse, that's also a very encouraging sign. And finally, if you don't have to make any changes to your form, if those three things are true, you can probably go for a run. You probably don't want to do a workout or a long run, but you can keep running as you get this niggle taken care of and address it before it becomes a full-blown injury. Now, when I was running at my peak, when I was running 80 to 90 miles per week, I thought that every mile was important. That one slower mile would reduce my fitness gains. And you know what? This type A, admittedly a little bit of a control freak <laughs> type of personality that I had, led to a lot of my injuries. I refused to back down. I refused to miss training. And I ran through a lot of problems that I shouldn't have. So have the confidence and the humility of taking some time off when it's needed. In the long term, or might I say in the long run, you'll be a better runner for it. Injury mistake number five, one that I made for years and years, no strength training. This was a lesson that I really learned the hard way. I didn't actually start any consistent strength training until year 11 of my running career. And my injury history was clear evidence of this mistake. IT band syndrome, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendinopathy, so many different muscle strains, SI joint problems. I had a lot of injuries because I wasn't focusing on making my body stronger. So if you're not doing any strength training, let's start today. Now, if you're new, if you haven't really done any consistent strength work, you're not sure where to start, let's start with my sandwiching concept. Sandwiching simply means that, you know, you are going to sandwich your run in between a dynamic warm-up and then some post-run core or strength routines. Now, these routines can be body weight. They can be done at home. You don't need any fancy equipment. So you don't have to have a gym membership at all. And if you go to strengthrunning.com and search best strength exercises, 
you're going to come up with an article I wrote a while back, but I keep updating with new strength core routines for runners. And you're going to find some of our best stuff from the standard core routine, the ITB rehab routine, the mace single leg workout, the gauntlet plank workout, the tomahawk medicine ball workout, a lot of different routines that we have available on strength running that you can simply plug and play directly into your training. And if you are someone who's maybe a little bit more advanced, if you have some experience getting strong regularly and you want to take things to the next level, it's time for some actual weightlifting in a gym where you can focus on compound fundamental lifts where you are using multiple joints and you're really focusing on movements rather than muscles. That means we're not lifting like a bodybuilder. We're not focusing on individual muscles like biceps or triceps. Instead, we're focusing on the basics like squats and deadlifts and presses. And if you're getting sufficient recovery, if you're focusing on lifting relatively heavy rather than on 10, 20 reps at a relatively low weight, then you are really focusing on building strength and more power in the weight room. That is exactly where runners should be in the weight room. And what you're essentially doing is toughening up not just your muscles, but all of your connective tissues as well. Everything that's in your joints, your tendons, your ligaments, even your bones are getting stronger through weightlifting. And that is the armor that is going to protect you from the relentless impact forces that come with the sport of running. If you want to learn more about weightlifting for runners, you can go to strengthrunning.com strength. So there we have five of the biggest personal training errors that I've made over the course of my running career that I hope you will learn from that I hope you will avoid so that you can become a better runner than I was, a more resilient runner, and ultimately a faster runner. So let's avoid those wild swings in your mileage consistency. Let's make running a lifestyle so that your mileage isn't tripling or quadrupling from month to month. Let's also run fast regularly so it's not super stressful when you start back up with hard workouts. You also want to make sure your easy days are truly easy. Remember the three C's of easy running. Comfortable, controlled, and conversational. Let's also not run through any pain, discomfort, or niggles. Let's make sure that if we do run through any discomfort, that that discomfort is dull, achy, or sore. That that discomfort doesn't get any worse when we're running. And hopefully gets better as we run. And that it certainly does not cause you to compensate and change your running form for that pain. And then finally, let's prioritize strength training. I don't even consider strength training cross training. It's just part of the training that runners have to do if they want to improve and stay healthy and keep reaching for new personal bests. Now, I have some extra resources for you if you want to learn more about these topics. If you want to learn more about strength training for runners, go to strengthrunning.com strength. And on the Strength Running YouTube channel, we have a bunch of very recent videos on mileage building, speed development, and recovery that are really going to help with some of the concepts discussed in this podcast episode. And then finally, if you don't really want to put together your training for, for yourself, if you're not really sure how to structure things, go to strengthrunning.com coaching 
and I can do all of this for you. Most of our training programs include a training plan library, or you have the option of me creating a custom-built training plan for you. That is our show this week, my friends. Please learn more about all these concepts at strengthrunning.com. And if you have any questions, if you want to reach out to me, I am available. Simply send me an email at support at strengthrunning.com. Now, I'm so grateful for our sponsors because they help make this show possible. Thank you, Athletic Greens, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. And as a man of convenience, I really appreciate that. Now, I personally struggle with eating healthy all the time. I know what I should be doing, but like many people, that doesn't mean I necessarily do what I know I should be doing. So I find that their product, AG1, is really helpful when I'm training and when my nutrition just might not be on point. One scoop a day gives me 75 vitamins and minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, including a greens superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I know I don't eat perfectly, and it gives me a nice boost of energy and focus throughout the day. Now, I've got three kids in school, and I know I've got to support my immune system or else I'm probably going to get sick from them. But what I love about AG1 is that it changes. Over the last decade, they've made more than 50 different improvements to their formula based on the latest research, and their goal is to always make these nutrients more absorbable and the product more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. Now, if you go to athleticgreens.com Jason, you can see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You'll get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment or for a monthly drop if you want to make AG1 a part of your regular healthy lifestyle. Go to athleticgreens.com Jason and you can sign up today. Finally, a big thanks to our sponsor, Inside Tracker, for their support as well. Inside Tracker is one of the most reputable personal blood testing companies in the country. They were founded back in 2009 by a collection of scientists who wanted to help everyday folks analyze their body's data, their internal data, and get a firm idea of how well they're responding to training. Now, understanding your body's biomarkers from stress hormones like cortisol to testosterone, growth hormone, even vitamin D, especially important in the winter months, can all help you figure out how well you're responding to all the running that you're doing. You might learn that you're overtraining. You might learn that everything is great and you should continue doing what you're doing. Or you could learn that you have a separate health issue that might be affecting your running. But I find that the best part is they then give you personalized optimal ranges for every biomarker that they test. And if one of your biomarkers is outside of that zone, they give you a bunch of ways to improve them through both your diet, your lifestyle, or exercise changes. Now, I've personally gotten three ultimate tests from them. I'm awaiting my results from the last one. And the process is really simple. It's easy. And if you haven't gotten a test before, it can be very eye-opening. So if you're curious, if you want to do a deep dive on your biomarkers, then I highly recommend Inside Tracker. You can also get 25% off site-wide any test that they offer at insidetracker.com/strengthrunning. Of all the investments you can make in your running, 
This one is like getting a detailed checkup or regularly scheduled maintenance for your internal physiology. I love it. It's one of the things that I highly recommend for runners. So it's a wonderful opportunity. And you can see more details at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. That's our show this week, runners. Thank you for being here. Thank you for subscribing. We'll talk soon.